You know what, Jamie? Let's pop off right now. We got to get started. <laughs> we got to go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get the people in the chat. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hit and Hustle from IrishSportsDaily.com. I'm your host, Greg Flamong, and with me, as always, is Jamie Uyama, Mr. Jamie University. It's Tuesday, October 10th. We have another mailbag show for you today, uh, talking mostly about the Notre Dame offense. Uh, when I say mostly, I mean like 85% of the questions are on the Notre Dame offense, but it's very topical. And uh, Jamie and I have been pouring over the film the last couple of days, so we have a little bit more insight to share into our thoughts on what's going on there and what Notre Dame can do, um, especially on the heels of um, you know Marcus Freeman's uh, press conference yesterday talking about offense and execution versus play calling and that sort of thing. So we can get into all of that. So thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, if this is your first time catching us either live or on replay, appreciate everyone being in here live as people uh, start to trickle in. Uh, please uh, like the show, please subscribe to the show and please hit the notification bell. So you know that we're going live. Links to our podcast are in the description below. Um, so if, if you prefer the audio form, that's that's available to you as well. Uh, Jamie, there were so many questions in the uh, when I initially posted the link on the website. Uh, people people asking if about God and whether he likes Notre Dame and um, where do we go if we die? And is God is Notre Dame good there? Is Notre Dame good in heaven? <laughs> So that's where people are at right now. Their mindset, um, a little bit dark, a little bleak. Um, but you know, one thing that you can do always, Jamie, is like, you know, whether you believe in God or whether you don't or whatever, uh, you know, to each their own. Um, you can certainly dress like a God while you're on earth, um, uh, with ESQ clothing. King of the Sags. There you go. If you're looking to upgrade your wardrobe. ESQ has created the world's first bamboo dress shirt. It's crafted from high-quality bamboo fabric. It's the softest and most comfortable shirt you'll ever put on. Not only more sustainable than cotton, also feels cooler, has stretch, is odor and wrinkle resistant, and it's even machine washable. You've seen ESQ's one-piece collar bamboo dress shirt on all of Notre Dame's top players and coaches, and it's the perfect shirt for Notre Dame's business meeting or heading for a night out. Use ISD15 and get 15% off all online items. That's ISD 15 for 15% off. Uh, Drew is here. Thank you for being here, Drew. Always ask a question on the mailbag show, and he is here live. Um, got you guys on in the background. That's perfect. Thank you for being here, Drew. Uh, CFB Hertz says, uh, don't know about heaven, but I can attest that hell is real. It's called being an Notre Dame fan. Uh, <laughs> the vibes, are, the vibes are, are less than immaculate, uh, Jamie. So, uh, look, before um, we, wait, before we go ahead, just got to mention C-Mac. I am pumped for, for buck drop tonight. He, he asked if it, because hockey starting and I got Bedard in a keeper league. So I'm feeling good. Feeling good. Keeper league. Is that, what is that? Is this playoffs, Jamie? No, no, no. This is just NHL. It's just starting right now. It is just is, starting. Okay. It's just starting. I, I, okay. Get, get, just get, the Kings are actually decent. Come on. I'm, I'm a mess, Jamie. I'm a, <laughs> Frank, um, Frank from UHND, he's uh, we're trying to plan, or like last week we were trying to plan our pod schedule, and he's like, he's like, I got the Phillies tonight, game one. I was like, game one? Is it like the playoffs? And I was like, I guess it is. It's October, so that makes sense. It would be the playoffs. The Dodgers, that's they're doing great. It's good stuff. And you know what, man? It 
I don't know what it is with me and my football teams. Well, obviously, as you know, Jamie, lifelong Ravens fan. And and <laughs> I just got to deal with this just this terrible, this terrible situation out in Baltimore. Seven drops, multiple drops in the end zone. Punts blocked for safeties. That terrible Steelers offense beats my lifelong Ravens. It, it really is terrible. It's so bad. And 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 I'm dealing with Notre Dame now. And it, and it's and I'm dealing with the Ravens. You know what? Put Kyle Hamilton in at receiver, Jamie. I've seen clips of him. I've seen clips of him playing offense in practice. Put him out there. Is uh are they is they gonna make him practice with a rugby ball like everybody else? Or uh, you know, have you heard about that? Oh, that no, the Ravens receivers coach made the practice with a rugby ball, and that's why their hands were getting too wide when they were. That's why they're dropping the ball so much. Yeah, it's great. Practice with the ball you're going to use in a game. Yeah, please. You maybe use a football. Yeah, <laughs> feels things are things are really bleak in my um in my football world. But we're gonna we're gonna press on, Jamie. Um, we got a lot of good questions today. A lot of like highbrow questions. I'm excited about that, especially when it comes to play calling and um, and uh, play calling versus execution and game plan and stuff. There's there's a lot going on there, so I'm excited to get into that. So let's get into the first question that is not related to the Notre Dame offense, and this comes from Mavs coach. With the weather forecast for Saturday, how much of an impact do you see it having on the game, and which team would it favor? And so be- before we get into that, it's, it's supposed it's supposed to be pretty windy. Um, we're looking at gusts in the 25 miles an hour, pretty consistent, um, between like 10 and 15 miles an hour as well. So, uh, that's difficult, right? Wetness and rain, uh, or I'm sorry, wetness and wind causes for a lot of problems for any, any offense, um, passing game specifically, Jamie. So, uh, what kind of impact do you think it has and who do you, who do you think it favors in in this instance? I mean, I, I think you would look at, if you're talking about who's got the stronger arm, you know, to cut through the wind, you would say Caleb Williams. Yeah. Um, but you'd also say that, I mean, those SC guys, and I know they're a lot from all over the country, but they're not guys who are used to playing in bad weather. Um, you know, they, they have, they've definitely played in a lot less uh, bad weather games than the guys from Notre Dame. So I would say that in, from that respect, it, it favors Notre Dame. And you say, okay, well then if it's going to be like a, kind of slog it out game that would favor Notre Dame but I mean I don't know like from what we've seen from Notre Dame's offense I think you you know right uh, the jury is out on that but um I don't know I I think I hope it you know what I hope it's not bad because I hate games that are you know affected by the weather where where it changes how um, the game is played or, or you, you see guys fumble because of it or um, miss because of it. I just, I, I mean, I don't even think that's good if it's like it, in the favor of, you know, your team necessarily. Cause it's just like one of these things that like any little play can just go awry because of the weather. And I just, I, I mean, uh, I'm not in favor of domes or whatever, but I perfect football weather to me is just like overcast, I, you know, I like that overcast and, um, you know, not too hot, not too warm and just get out there and play ball. Yeah. I don't like, I don't like weather as a variable. I just don't, it, it, it's not my favorite thing. Um, I, I think the other part too, is aside from whether or not 
you know, USC guys are used to weather or whatever. Their offense, it involves a lot of ball handling, a lot of ball handling. You know, they're, they're running zone read all the time. Um, you know, they're, I mean, look, they fumbled a couple times against Arizona. It's just like unforced uh, putting the ball on the ground because there's, there's a lot of ball handling involved. And so that, um, that makes it uh, difficult for them just if it's going to be wet like that. Um, you know, I, I think, I think Notre Dame, it, it benefits Notre Dame in theory, just because of, like you said, the way that the style of play that they want to have. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's Tuesday, right? I feel like the weather forecast in South Bend can change, change. very quickly. Very quickly. Yeah. 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 Very, very quickly. So, um, that, that <clears throat> remains to be seen. We'll see how, we'll see how it plays out. Also, the game is at seven 30, uh, Eastern. So, that's another variable. It's like it could rain all day. And by the time the game comes, um, the rain is gone. So, um, but that'll be interesting to track uh, as the, as the week goes on, especially like if it gets to Thursday, obviously there's a bigger chance um, of, of that forecast being correct, the closer you get to game time. So that'd be interesting to look at extra ND 1994. What can the O do to attack uh, USC? Not a good defense over there. It's no, it's, it's, it's not. Um, I mean, I think they have like personnel wise, definitely there's some guys that can be attacked uh, for USC. Like, I don't think, um, you know, Caleb Bullock's a, a good safety. He's, mm -hmm. he's, he's definitely yeah. a good, good safety. Uh, but I don't think their other safeties are that great. You know, I don't think their, their nickel is that great. I think both of their, um, I think their linebackers really are a little bit of a liability in coverage um bryson shaw's the the one safety from ohio state and he's just been exposed this year like he's having, having trouble i really don't think that um you know their corners are that good right i i don't think their corners are that good like i think the their arizona kid christian roland wallace is the best guy out of the group but i don't think Damani jackson's a great player um i don't think jacoby covington's a great player um I think the strength of their defense is um, the the defensive line. They mm -hmm. have like a, they have dudes who can rush the passer, and and that's that's the main thing, right? Um, so I think the main thing is you want to run the ball at them because, and, and obviously they're going to overload the box or whatever. But you're going to okay. want to have success uh, running the football on them because it's a little bit like Louisville, where you get into situations where you're like forced to pass all the time, you plays right into their hands. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you can, you know, get them to have to overcommit to play the run attack by throwing on early downs, that I think is, is a way to have success and create some explosive plays. Uh, their slots are really not good. So Bryson Shaw, you brought him up he, in the last two games. Uh, he's 14 of 15 uh, against. So teams targeting him, they're they're completing 14 out of 15 passes. I think he's given up four touchdowns. Um, it's it's really bad. Now he against Arizona, he had his snaps severely diminished. Um, yeah, but it's like you're bringing in the guy that they thought was going to be his backup. You know, so like that's obviously yeah. not a great solution for them either. Um, and I think Notre Dame's strength, and and I posted on Twitter like what they are so much better down the middle than they are on the outsides. And I and I po posed something on the uh, morning after recap show, Jamie, and I haven't run run this by you yet, but I'm thinking 
you know, Jaden Thomas was doing most of his damage out of the slot last year. I think they need to move him back there. And I know that that takes away from other players, but having him to the field, they're not, they're not getting anything yeah. out of him over there. And he is your best player. He's if your best receiver. Away, yeah. He, it, it, their best receiver. That's what I meant. If it takes yeah. away from Jaden Greathouse, who I don't think is healthy at all, really. Um, if it takes away from him, then so be it. You got to find a way to get him involved. Uh, whoever, like, Chris Tyree as well. You have to you have to utilize your best receiver. And his best spot is the slot. They are not getting anything really out of him at to the field right now. And so just move him inside and maximize your best player that way. And you know, you can have Tobias out there or you can have Rico Flores out there. Like they're you're not they're not they're not throwing to the field. So no. don't put him out there. It is kind of how I see that. Um you know, we're going to talk a little bit about attacking USC in, in the slots. I feel like Notre Dame really had something with their slots this in this last game. They didn't – I don't think they maximized that um, kind of at all. And I think they really had something in that trips formation as well. We, we're going to get into that later. But it's like that's that's where I think they, they can attack them. And in the run game, like you said. Like you just – I mean, that's – but that that's any game. It doesn't matter who like, – it's not matchup specific. Notre Dame has to be a good running team this year against everyone yeah. to, in order to be successful. So that kind of that kind of goes without saying. But on offense, I really feel like there's something there with the slots um, for them. Uh, what is this name? Uh, Jula Julavaki Julavaki uh, says we could all use a reminder what great special teams look like. Can we finally see the video of Lamong returning a kick for a touchdown? Um, that that. <laughs> That's probably pretty grainy, right? Like it's a video off my phone, off of a VHS tape that is not uh, that is not clear at all. Um, I have a question for you, Jamie. Have you did you score a touchdown? Have you ever scored a touchdown? Yeah, man. I was I was RB one in, in high school, man. In high was, school, RB one. Yeah, Let's I go. Scored ton, Let's I scored a ton of touchdowns. Yeah. Was it like all stock? Uh, I mean, we had a big. Give me the Yama big, comp. We had a big backfield. I mean, when I was in high school, I was like two senior year. I was like two fifteen, and we had a fullback who was two forty. We had a like we were bigger than our line, right? So that was um, like you know just in terms of our size, in terms of where we had a big backfield. So um, we, we were like a power. I mean, it's it's a different era, but we were like an ISO uh we ran power like a, a ton of times with a full back right i formation that kind of stuff that's mm -hmm. th that's that's the way we played so okay all right yeah. Who who's your comp oh my comp out there uh i mean i'd say chris warren chris warren people remember chris warren the old seahawk the seahawk guy the seahawks okay, running back Chris yeah. Warren. That was my that my high school my high school comps. Chris Warren. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that I was like NFL like yeah. that, but yeah. in in terms of style, that was my comp. Okay, all right, that's awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my senior year, I uh, I returned it before after four games. I had returned two kickoffs and a punt for a touchdown, and then I didn't see any more of those um, really for the rest of the year. Um, that's the way it goes, Jamie. You, you just gotta. You get your opportunities, you make the most of them, and then they take them away from you. Um, 
But let, let's let's stay on the topic of kick special teams and kickoff returns. Should Notre Dame just be a fair catch team on kickoffs at this point? I think they should put Jeremiah Love back there. Hey, there it is. Thank you. I, I think that's what they should do. Yeah. Um, I think you want to get him more touches. That's an opportunity to get him more touches. Um, I think that's what you do is you put him back there and he's and he's your main kickoff guy. Or you put Chris Tyree back there because Chris Tyree has taken a kick back to the house. Yeah. In, in a college football game. And I also that kind of leads into I think you got to replace Chris Tyree as the punt returner. And I know there was like short kicks in this game, but that one play where he was aggressive when he shouldn't have been, that basically screwed him for that the whole rest of the year. Like he's not now he's not going to go when he needs to and all that. So um, I don't know who that is, Jordan Faison or somebody else. Like they need somebody. And it sucks because Salerno, as much as like Salerno is not like a big threat or anything like that, but. I mean, he's the guy who's going to go and, you know, catch the football and be aggressive catching the football. Um, they're losing yards doing that all the time. Um, and I, I mean, I will say that, like, they have come, like, fairly close to blocking a couple punts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think they should continue to be aggressive there, but they need somebody different back there because they're, I mean, I don't know how many yards it was like. You could probably total it up to like 80 yards in this game of, of how yeah. much extra they lost from it. Um, Gawang, founder of ESQ Clothing, he is texting me every day or every game about Chris Tyree returning punts. Like, Greg, get back there. Return the punts. And it's, it's you know, and I always tell him, like, it's just not good. He He's not comfortable. He's not. And he, honestly, that is more important than – like being a good returner in, in today's college football, because you rarely get one that's return worthy. You just don't. And he's, he, he doesn't have a good feel for it. He's clearly not confident with it. Like Marcus Freeman told him like, Hey, be aggressive, be aggressive. And he took that advice and completely did something totally out of yeah. pocket with it. Like, no, that it's like, that's not what I meant. Like I said, be aggressive. Don't be ridiculous. You know? So it's like, I mean, great, great house. I would try him there. He he's a sure-handed guy. He seems like a sure-handed guy. He did it in high school. Um, he seems very confident too. I mean, with the hamstring, that's obviously difficult. But I don't know. It's currently not a good situation. And speaking of Jeremiah Love, and I, I don't think we really have a question about this, so I'll just um, I'll bring it up now. It, it I think it's time for the five running backs thing to just be kind of done you have i think your your most it's been seven games Notre Dame's most productive running backs are estimate love and jerdarian price and it needs to be those three guys and because here's the thing it's not that jabron Payne has been bad isn't that's not it at all devin ford hasn't really had much of a um hasn't had much of a chance but like you know, he's also like a fifth-year guy from Penn State who who didn't really play at Penn State. Been, been good on special teams. So. Good on special teams, for sure. Absolutely. But, like, you – like, okay, what have you seen from Jeremiah Love where you think, you know what, they need to take him out in short yardage? Nothing. He Nothing. runs hard. 
he runs hard. He breaks tackles. He's difficult to get down. Right. Reads and this the isn't well. to, reads the whole well. And this isn't to say that like, you know, on the one play where Jabron Payne got blown up, that's not his fault. That's not his fault. Yeah. Everyone's getting blown up on that play. Not, but not, if not the guy who Blake Fisher let go, then the guy that Raritan let go. Yeah. You know, like there are two unblocked players in the hole there. So that's a problem. But like, I just think that you you have to maximize your best players at this point. You do. And I don't think they're getting the most out of uh, love or a price. And so they just need to do that. I mean, it's basically, I mean, that's just coaching one-on-one. You don't need to be rotating five backs when there's there's there's, there's three that are clearly uh, a step above. So anything on that, that, Jamie? Okay, no, Jamie I agrees. Don't, don't, totally agree with that. I just think that you just, and specifically like, it should be like, you know, Audric Audric Estime one, Jeremiah Love two, yeah, and and also too, if Jeremiah Love's feeling it, maybe make him you know one B. Like that's how like that's how I kind of feel about it. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. Uh, Bruce Aleg uh, asked, "Will anyone named Jaden be healthy?" So uh, the Thomases. Uh, the Thomas and the uh, great house situation. I mean, I feel bad for both of them, especially Jaden Thomas, like clearly not healthy. Um, in my opinion, like kind of borderline and irresponsible to send him out there. He just, I mean, he's limping. You, it's a hamstring, Jamie. If he pulls yeah. it again, you lose him for the rest it's, of the year. It's, it's done for the year. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't, you, that's, ve- it was very, Touch and go. I, I know, you know, he wants to go and, and he tried and everything and same with Greyhouse, but um, I don't know where those guys are at. I don't know if playing in this game stunted their development for this week. Uh, they really need, especially Jaden Thomas, like they really need him uh, to be healthy and ready to go. Um, they have a lot of slots. Well, I think they should put Jaden Thomas in the slot, but they have players now like Faison is, a, is an option. Right, you have to factor him into every game that they play. Um, what What do you think about the impact of the two Jadens on the Notre Dame passing game? Should they be healthy? I mean, if they're healthy, I think they obviously. I think they they really miss Greathouse. Yeah, I think they they really really do. Um, I mean, obviously they miss Thomas too. Like, um, you know, but they miss Greathouse because he's kind of he has been a guy that they're like it's third down let's draw up a play for um, great house. Like they've done that this year. Um, like they, they have, a, there's a trust with him. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, they feel he can win a one-on-one against like a safety, right? Like they, they, that's one of those things that they, um, you know, you miss if you, if you don't feel like you have that guy that you can go to there um, because Tyree isn't that guy for them right like he's different than that so yeah and then i think with thomas like i think they miss him like you said i i do think his best the problem is is they got too many guys their best position is the slot and yeah uh but he they need to find a way to feature him if he's healthy and also he's a really good someone mentioned it way way up above ryan did he was the first before the show started good call by ryan yeah thanks ryan uh Mm -hmm. and just that is, he is a big part of that running game because he can do some things that um, he's, he's kind of like a tight end, right? He's, he's, he's very much like an H back. So they, they miss him there. Um, 
But I also think if those guys aren't healthy, uh, you're not really helping that much by having them out there, you know? So um, certainly didn't make an impact in this game, you know? So um, I don't know. Like, and, and if they can't practice the whole week, like I understand that happens during the season, but just, I just don't, if you have too many guys that can't practice, yeah. that's, that's a problem. Uh, Mark Hughes asks, what do you think are the main reasons our receivers can't get off the line? Technique, length, lack of speed or strength. Um, also, why not more quick releases, slants, flares, and more screens? Uh, thanks. What, what, have you seen anything off the line? That's a, that's a big problem, Jamie. I mean, in this game, they, they struggled to get off the line for sure. They struggled, struggled to be pressed, but I think like, Earlier games, I thought Notre Dame guys did a pretty good job against press. Mm. Like, and I think that's one of the things that I would say that they've done pretty well um, under under Stucky is that they've like, um, like won with those kind of like little details there, and like, and that's and that's one of the things that has stood out about like guys like Floors and Greathouse, where mm. they have won against yeah. press, right? So. Um, I don't know. I think in this game, it, it sticks out because it's like the most recent example, but I don't think it's been a bad part of like the receivers all year. Um, I, I will say that um, I think more of it is what you see because not many teams actually, especially on the outside, not many teams have pressed them on the outside. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they have guys just sitting there and they do not respect the speed over the top. So they are like sitting there and they're just waiting to go on something underneath because they feel they can just turn and go if they have to. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's to me, that's kind of the thing. So like when they try to throw that fade to Thomas early in the game, like that, (laughs) that corner was just like, nah, like it was just like nothing for him. Right. So I think that is kind of more of an issue. And to me, that's more of like, well, Thomas is not healthy. And also like, you know, he's just not a guy that that you're that anyone is scared of. Right. And they don't have a guy out there that you can throw out wide. Um, they, they're anyone's scared of right now. So there's an even better example of this where you remember, uh, Chris Tyree runs the corner route against the zone. Yeah. And first of all, this was a good play call in that it's a zone beater. You're running off the corner. Um, you have a player in the flat, you're running off the corner with the wide out. And then you have the, the corner route coming behind it. Right. So there's naturally not going to be, there's, there's going to be an opening there. So this is a good play call and a good scheme and all that. Um, but to your point, the corner did not respect the fact that Tobias is clearly running a go. And so he sat on it and jumped the route. He jumped the corner with Tobias running right by him. Like you would never do that against USC or no anyone, right? You wouldn't, but they know they're never throwing it. They're never throwing that ball. They don't throw goes to the field. They haven't. So why, why would I chase it? What are they going to do? They're going to throw it, you know, are they going to complete it? You know? And so that's where it is right there. Like that's a perfect example of what you just illustrated. Like they don't respect it. And so they're not, they're just, I mean, who, what corner Jamie leaves the goal? Leaves the go route and you're third of the field wide open. No one does. No one That's does. That's not a thing. But they they did in this game. 
and they got a pass broken up. And so that's, and that's that, part of but it. that the I think reason. has happened like earlier games too, yeah. right? Because that's the thing is that um, there was a play against Duke, a, a similar type of play. And I can't remember who was running it. So I, I you know, excuse me for getting who, who, who it was, but they were like kind of running like a dig. And um, the whole thing was he was just like, and I think like Flores was running a go or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right? And they just didn't even respect. He, the guy did not turn at all. He did yeah. not turn at all. He didn't care. And at some point you just have to throw it just so they respect yeah. it. You know, yeah, so, so they think like I, I'm, they're gonna throw it. I have to yeah. chase it, obviously. Um, yeah. And that's that's what we were talking about, Jamie. We were talking about in the first four weeks. Like it is a concern, right? People would say, like, "What are you?" Not? And it's like we're not seeing the goals. We're not seeing the goals. Um, and so that's that's a problem. Uh, Rad Irish, also John Fitter on Twitter. He's a, he's a good guy on Twitter. Um, thanks for your contribution here, John. Uh, how hard would it be? to install a run-heavy offense like Navy used versus Clemson last year this week. Uh, he'll be at the game. Um, he's coming from Tulsa, and he needs some hope. Um, I don't think it would be that hard. Do you think it would be uh, – do you think that's the way to go in this game, Jamie, to just go full Clemson game plan 2020, 2022? Uh, I mean, I think that – I mean, that would be the ideal thing if, if they can do that. If they could really do that the rest of the year, that would be – um ideal like but i don't know how realistic it is that they're going to be able to do that um especially because you just see you just see blown blocks that's the thing you see blown blocks by you know the line tight ends like the tight end blocking has not been great and 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 it's not just eli raritan um in this game and certainly you know he it was a tough game for him to come back. Like he, he did not block well. Um, you know, you highlighted the one, um, the JD price play, which is like, gotta make it right. And so I, I think ideally you, yeah, that's what you'd want. And I, I think they, they blocked pretty well against Ohio state. That wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there is some hope for that. Um, but I just kind of think that um I don't know if they're gonna make a, a change at guard, but like they're obviously it it I'm not saying that like you make a change if you gotta make a change and you do what you gotta do, but it's like they can't be a confident group. They can't be a confident group right now. Yeah. So I don't know. You got to find a way to kind of build that back up. And I don't know how, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's that realistic this week. It's, it's a pretty big uh, ask, but I mean, then again, it is USC. You don't have to work hard to get up for USC. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to text Matt because they're talking to Jared Parker today. I want to, I want Matt to ask why, why Cooper Flanagan's reps and David Sherwood's reps were given to Eli Raritan in this last game? Because I just thought they put Eli Raritan in a, in a bad spot. Yeah, he has not played at all. He, I don't. How much has he practiced? You know, like how game ready is he? And you and you and you get him out there, and it's like he's 
he's the key blocker on some of these plays. You know, like it's not like he's just backside doing whatever. Although to be fair, like the Jadarian Price play, like that's pretty simple, man. Just just wall him up. Like you just yeah. gotta wall him off there. Like that's yeah. You're, you're you're not at the really the play side on that one. And if he makes the block, he's literally gonna score a touchdown. But I thought he was, and that's just further evidence that the 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 fir, that's just further evidence that he wasn't ready to go when you miss a block like that. Like he's not ready. And the fact that they put him out there is, in my opinion, just not doing the right thing. You referenced the OSU game. That's Cooper Flanagan, and that's Davis Sherwood. Like, what has Cooper Flanagan done to lose his reps? Like, what has he done, Jamie? Has he been poor? No, I think he's done a good job. Exactly. So, like, I don't understand how how he just gets replaced in the lineup, and then he gets his reps, and then he doesn't do a good job. Like, I I just – and this isn't anything against Eli Raritan. It's a bad position to be in. It's not like they needed him. It's not like they were short. They've been playing these guys all year. So yeah. I I honestly I would like an answer to that. Like what was it specifically? It's not like they were they were dominating the game and it's like you know what we want to get him going. Like that's not what happened. So yeah. that that to me is a little bit baffling. Um Fred Laskowski asks how hard is it to teach Braylon James to run a couple of routes with his speed? It doesn't seem like it should be this difficult. Um so We've heard this before, Jamie, with a, a number of wide receivers. A number of wide receivers. If, if they're not ready to go, yeah. if they're not ready, they're not ready. And I, I don't like that's just it. it, it you know, I don't know what it looks like. You know, I don't know. Like there was Tobias last year. Just throw him out there. Now everyone wants. Now everyone wants him out of the game. Yeah. You know, Jordan Johnson, uh, Braden Lindsay. Kevin Austin, on and on and on. You know, if they're not ready, they're not ready. And that's that's all there is to it. If they felt like he was ready to go, they need numbers at receiver. They would oh, they yeah. need speed. They would they would throw him out there. They yeah. would. They obviously don't believe it's it's the right thing to do. And also it's one thing to be like everyone, it's always the great in theory, you know, like throw that guy out there, just get him run a go yeah. route, right? Um and <laughs> Unfortunately, Chris Brown ruined it for everyone. He he really ruined it for everyone because he caught that ball against Oklahoma. But really, he's the list, right? Or you could say Golden Tate that one year. But even then, Golden Tate, he only really did it. He had kind of like had one game. You know what I mean? Like, And it was also 2007, and they were awful. Yeah, they were awful. They yeah, were so they were just like grasping his straws. Like, um, and, and we also don't know. Everyone always says like, Man, Braylon James, why don't they throw him out there? Well, I never saw Braylon James just cooking people in camp or whatever. I don't know that he's doing that at practice right now. So if he's not cooking people, like he's not showing it, then why would they put him out there? You know, it's like one of those things to just be like, yeah, he's fast or whatever. Like, why do you think Faison got the opportunity and James in it? Well, he's obviously more ready. And we did see Faison beat more people. Then whatever. That's why it's all the people were getting hyped about Jordan Faison, right? So, yeah. I mean, if you're looking for Braylon James, his name is Jordan Faison. That's who the Jordan, the Braylon James yeah. of this offense is right now. Yeah, yeah. 
but you know, maybe, right? I don't know. They they might they might try yeah. to get him going. They might try to do that. I'm just saying it hasn't happened for re- they they obviously don't believe he's ready. Or they I shouldn't say don't. They haven't believed that yeah. he was ready. To and go. this happens at every school too. So I, yeah. whatever, I don't, I'm not, I, I, whatever. I don't want to get, get on the question. I'm just like, the question is fine. It's totally fair because everybody, I mean, who doesn't think that way? Cause everyone wants to be more explosive. It's like, why don't you get this more speed on the field? Yeah. But it'd be like, if Jeremiah love wasn't playing and people were like, why aren't they giving Jeremiah love carries? And it's like, well, I mean, probably for a reason. Right. And yeah. Now you've seen it. So now you're like, give this guy the ball more. That's fine. Right. But it's just not, it's, it's, it's not as simple as just like this guy runs this. So like as Brent Smith didn't Braylon James run a four, four, seven. It's like, you know, a lot of guys are fast, but it's like, is he going to run? Is he, is he going to get a release? Is he going to adjust to the ball? Like, are you just wasting it? Like there's all of these things that that go along with it. Right. So, yeah. All right. PD nine. What needs to happen for Notre Dame to win this game? Also, if Notre Dame does lose, what does that say about Freeman as a head coach, both short and long term? So I guess, I mean, what needs to happen for Notre Dame to win the game? I mean, what 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 do you what do you say to that, Jamie? First of all, I mean, they have to execute like way better than they had uh, against Louisville on on offense. They have to be more creative with what they're doing, um, you know, to kind of design plays when things aren't going, they have to be more explosive on offense. And I really think like the other thing is, is on, you know, because the defense obviously has played well and um, you know, they've been hung out to dry by Notre Dame. It's like, almost like it's a very much an afterthought, but I mean, the defense better bring it. Cause this is the best offense they're going to play all year. And Caleb Williams is the best quarterback. And I don't think he's he isn't playing as well as he was last year. He's he's definitely not. So that's one thing to kind of keep in mind. Doesn't mean that all of a sudden he can't have like the greatest game of his life here. Right. Yeah. But he isn't playing as well. Like he's he's uh not Houdini, he's Houdini's apprentice this year. You know, like he he's he's not quite escaping as much and making just as ridiculous of a plays. And that's what kind of like like last year's PFF grade on pressure was like better than most people with a clean pocket. Mm. And that's not the case this year. He, he is having more trouble and the line, uh, the line isn't as good as it was last year. So that's, that's another thing. Right. So, um, and frankly, they do have, I mean, they have a ton of talent at receivers. It's not, not to say they don't have a ton of talent, but I also don't think they have a first round guy who's going to be first round next year, like Jordan Addison. Mm. So, that is also something too, right? So they have to play really well and really disciplined on, on defense. Um, and I think the, you have to get a couple turnovers. I think that's going to be important. Uh, huge game for the linebackers, Maris yes. and Bertrand. I mean, it's huge. It's a huge, yeah. I mean, they have to play, um, you know, maybe their best game, you know, something to that effect. You have to find a way to either a turn them over or b get Caleb Williams on the ground, and the the easiest said than done thing that's ever been said. Like he is very difficult to get on the ground. Their whole kind of their whole offense is based around that that they you can't get him on the ground. Um, I mean, how many plays did he make like in the game just last weekend 
where it's like the play's over, it's dead. There's no, they've lost the play and he finds out to win, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's his whole thing. Um, it, to me, this is a good entirely front seven game, at least defensively for Notre Dame is like, you, you have to win up front. If they, if they lose up front, they have no chance. No chance. If they don't, win no chance. It can, honestly, even a stalemate up there is just not going to work. It's not good you, enough. No, you have, you have to, to win. They have to dominate up front. You have to dominate the matchup. Um, and we say that every year, and we said it last year, and they got crushed. So it's just like that's the that's the task. But that is one of the reasons why they beat USC for so many years during the yeah. Brian Kelly era, because they were better than them up front. Yeah. That was 100% a thing. So yeah, that has to happen. That has to happen. Yeah. Um, and on offense, like, look, your efficiency has to be great. It has to be uh, first four games level of efficiency. When you get the ball, you need to put it in the end zone. Field goals in this game, like, it better be it, it better be like a 37-yarder on, like, third and goal or fourth and goal because, you know, you got backed up or so, like some weird stuff happened. It, yeah. It's got to be like fourth and sixteen or something like that to go to be kicking field goals yeah. in this game. It's just not. That's not the way to go. And granted, I say that maybe the maybe the weather is really bad to the point yeah. where it's like any points are fine. The but flow of the just, game, gotta see it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But generally speaking, like get get field goals out of your mind. Like none of these fifty-four yarders. You know, you you got to be you got to be aggressive and going for touchdowns. And so that's that's how it's got to happen, in my opinion. Uh, if Notre Dame does lose, what does that say about Freeman as a head coach, both short and long term? I mean, short term, obviously, it's not good. You know, you lose yeah. to Louisville and then you lose this game. All of a sudden you come out, you know, you you start five and one. Uh, you have a game that, you know, you should have won against Ohio State. And then all of a sudden you got three losses, right? Like five and three is not good. Um, that's not good because then as – you know, the best you can do is nine and three uh, the rest of the way and or like 10 and three, really, if with the bowl game. And I mean, that to me is very much like a Brian Kelly, like early Brian Kelly. Right. Like that's kind of where you're at. And that's not where you want to be. And I think the team. Is should be better than that, like they they you know, I, I don't think it wasn't crazy to be like they should be 10 and two or 11 and one like that yeah. is I think was the most obvious choice for them. Right. And so I, I don't think it's good short term. And it also means like chances are he's probably going to have to make coaching staff changes, right? Like he's going to have to do that. They're going to have to um, there's, and he's probably going to go into, and then all of a sudden, Every other game gets there's so much pressure now, right? Like that Clemson game on the road, like that's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough game. Yes. Like all of these games are going to be, you know, just big. And then all of a sudden, it's just like your pit becomes like a tight game or something, right? And it's like people, you just everyone's just kind of squeezing a little bit more because they're just nervous. Like that's not a good situation. You, you win this game, the the vibes totally change on Marcus Freeman and in the vibes change in recruiting as well. Right. Like right now, like you lose to Louisville, that doesn't kill you in, in recruiting. 
But if you lose this game after, and then all of a sudden, you know, the rumblings get really loud about, oh, they're going to have to make changes and this and that and whatever. And like, I mean, there's already that kind of stuff, but then it'll start becoming more of a, you know, a topic where nationally they'll be like, people start knowing Jerry Parker for the wrong reasons, you know, and that's just not what you want, want to have happen. It's not to say that they might not make changes anyways, even if they do win this game later on, but it's just a bad for the short. It's, it's just really, really bad for, for him and the program short-term. I mean, long-term it could, he could still lose. He could still lose and they could still have like kind of a so-so finish to the year. And it doesn't mean that it's over for him because you've seen plenty of coaches that have done it. Like Brian Kelly is an example of a guy Mm -hmm. who's had that Dabo, right? Like Dabo, he's, he's the original reboot, right? Like made some major changes to his staff and it, you know, reshaped what they're doing. Bringing in Brent Venables was like a huge, huge thing that kind of changed what they did. And so it could they could be fine they could be perfectly fine long term um so it i you know i i don't think people should overreact to it long term although i know people will uh but short term yeah it, i mean it what everyone says short term it i think that's true i mean it things always build on each other right so like yeah. you said short term it'll be it'll be real bad i mean it'll be bad right and people will say He's in over his head. I mean, look, people said it last year and then they went on to win a bunch of games and they beat Clemson. And then that shifted, right? Like that, the way people thought about him and the way people felt about him shifted. So like time always takes care of that sort of thing. Um, The same thing for like Jared Parker, like drunk Vigo says, if Jared Parker can't score touchdowns against USC, he needs to be let go. Um, You know, whether he needs to or not, like, Marcus Freeman is not the type of person who's just going to be like, chill. He's not. He's not going to accept, you know, what he's seen. And, like, for me, this is a bigger game for for uh, Jared Parker. Like, everyone gets oh, over yeah. on USC. Everybody does. Yeah. It's a and huge so if, game for Jared Parker. So, yeah. So, if Notre Dame can't, I mean – I mean, you, you you can't look at – there's no other way to look at the last three weeks and say that the offense just generally is not getting it done for whatever reason. And so it's just – like for him, it, it's just a huge week. And to me, it would say more – it would say more to me about him than it would Marcus Freeman um, and where he's going. Uh, but that remains to be seen as well. You know, like the way that we feel about Jared Parker, he come out with a great game plan against USC and, you know, light them on fire. And, and then people's, the narrative shifts at that point, right? Like th- things are what they are until the, until they change basically. Um, so we'll see. Uh, C-Mac asked a question about Billy Shrouth and Charles J- Jagasaw uh, getting work this week at offensive guard. Is that made up? Um it would be weird to me now, Jamie, if Shrouth did not play in every game. It would be weird to me if he didn't play. Because now they, they he gave him tape. And not just that. Some of the tape is bad. Some of it is incredible. Some of it is really good. Some of it's like, whoa. Like that is. Definitely good enough to earn snaps this week. If he yes. has a good practice, like 
he might be the starter. Yeah, I, it would not shock me. It would not shock me. There, there is to me, there is no way now. I don't know the Kristoffic thing with Carell. That's weird. Like that is that part was weird to me. Very strange. I, I'm not saying Carell like he did not play well against Duke. I, I'm far from it, but he would probably earned a little bit more leeway there than, than yeah. definitely the guards. Yeah. And he's played better than the guards, mostly, right? So, um, and you want to mess around with the center operation? I I think that was a huge mistake. <laughs> in it, like, yeah. But um, in terms of in terms of Jagasaw, I think um, I I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's getting uh, reps this week. Uh, you know, like in practice and then you'll kind of kind of see where he's at but he's another guy that like it's just one of those things it's it, it, any young offensive lineman his good looks good right mm-hmm. and the thing here's here's one thing too that i think um and something you're gonna write about in six thoughts too because they there's like this idea that it's like man, you need like guards who can play guard. Like you need these guys. Nah, man, you need five guys on the line who can play tackle. You need athletes. And yeah. and as much as offensive linemen can be athletes, you need athletes. Because if you're an athlete, you can get beat and recover. And if you're not an athlete, you get beat and it's bad. And guess what? We've seen some bad from the guards this year. And I think that's because... Those guys are just interior guys. They can't, we could never play tackle. You could never put them a tackle, you know? And the thing is with Jagasaw, and I think even Trouth really could play tackle. I'm not saying those guys would start a tackle, but they could, right? And it's just like Quentin Nelson could have played tackle. He could have, right? Alex Bars did play tackle, right? Aaron Banks could have played tackle, right? Like that's something. Right. So like you have Tommy Kramer did play tackle. Like Mm -hmm. that is a thing. And I'm not saying like these guys were all like the greatest athletes ever, but like, there's a reason why, you know, you look at a lot of these lines and they have guys that can kind of play multiple positions. Those are the guys who are typically the best guys. Like, you know, Zach Martin as, as Michael Hunt said, played left tackle at Notre Dame might be the best guard of all time in the NFL. He's that yeah. low. So it's just one of those. It's, it is a thing. It, yeah. it, it definitely is a thing. And I think, um, which is kind of why you have to be, it's scary to me when you get a guy that I'm like, I don't know if this guy can play anything else, which is also too, why not, not to say he's going to play right now, but it's also why I like the future of Ashton Craig because this guy's a good athlete. He mm. could, I think he could play multiple positions. And I think, so I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens this week. Um, I mean, I would, I don't think they're going to come out with Billy Shrouth and uh, Charles Jagasaw at, at starting a guard this week. But I mean, Shrouth, I'm pretty confident will play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Next question. From Stash88, 
Uh, I guess we just kind of talked about that. <laughs> we just talked about us. Why did Notre Dame rotate the O-line last game? Whose decision was it? What were they trying to do? Did they really give themselves and the players a chance to really find out, considering the number of plays each sub was in for? Considering the difficulties O was having, was this really a game to experiment on the O-line? Um, I think the thing that's really odd to me, like given the Coogan stuff, Shrouth playing left guard, that makes a lot of sense. In terms of just like, hey, Coogan can't go like the entire game. Like he does need, he can't go every snap. Get him out there. I don't understand the Kristovic thing at all. Like you said, I don't get it. it you don't want to be messing around with your center during, in the middle of a game when you're down for one on the road. Game seven. Like that's crazy to me. Yeah. Moving Strouth over to right guard was weird. Uh, it's like... I, what what is that? I, I don't know what that does for him in terms of just like now you're on the left, now you're on the right, and now you need to play just like a completely on a completely different side next to a a different tackle. I didn't understand that. Um, it, it's like you said in the post game. If if you want to do that stuff, then give him the start. Just start him. Just start him and see how it goes. You play him for a few plays. I, I didn't. I I, I that, that didn't make sense to me. And it just kind of reeked of searching for answers, which you, you don't want from the number 10 team in the country, you know, who wants to be a playoff team. It just doesn't, doesn't, doesn't reeks of just like, we're, we don't know what we have. And I don't, I just don't see how that could happen this far into the season. You had four games to figure it out and it, they tried to figure it out on the road in game seven. Yeah. So, well, I, it's not even just that they had the four games. Cause you could say that like, well, it's tough because you know, three of those games, it's hard to get a true evaluation. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. But then you played Ohio state. And after you played Ohio state, that was when you had the evaluation where you should have said, okay, like we've got a problem here. You, you know, we've got to do something here. We got to maybe make a change or we got to put that spot up for competition or whatever. Um, because then Duke happens, right? So, and then it's like becomes a real problem. And then it just, that's what I think it needed to happen sooner after I say, and yes, start them. If you're going to play them, start them. Yeah. And then, and then if they struggle, guess what? You got the other guy who's played all these other snaps. You put them right back in. Like that's yeah. the way to do it. Yeah. I think. All right. Uh, next question. Moby onion says, I'm hearing whispers of an analyst. Are you, um, do you know what this is referring to Jamie? I don't know what he's talking about, but like, I mean, there are analysts, they have analysts there on the staff already. Um, I mean, I don't know if they brought in somebody else to kind of help. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they said brought in somebody else to consult or whatever, or try to help them out like the rest of the way. I mean, it's not a, it wouldn't be a bad idea to, to add in, but it's like, I think you got to look at like all the voices that are already in there. It's like, I think it's process. Like what are, cause what is everyone's role? Like, so that short yardage play that you referenced earlier, Greg, the one that we talked about the mm -hmm. where they, they had two unblocked guys. So who's the one who's 
like responsible for that. Like, and is it just the position coaches of just saying like, you know, Parker's got to know like Eli, you got to pick up this guy or um, Rudolph's is just saying, Oh, Blake, you got to step down. You got to pick this up. Like, is that it? Is there like more of like a coordination of like who's deciding like how we're going to block things? Like I just, in my experience, there's always like one guy who is actually like being like, this is what they're doing. And it's usually the O-line coach. Mm -hmm. So that includes like with the tight end suit. And it's like, this is what they're doing. This is what we got to change to block it. So to me, there's got to be a lot of pressure on Rudolph too to to mm. get it right and yeah. not just be like because it's one thing to just get your butt kicked and certainly some guys got their butt kicked, but there were assignment errors that were like just shouldn't happen, and so that is ultimately you know that's on him or the the Rico Flores play you know like you said the other one with Tobias too right where that guy's lined up tight. And then he's blocking a corner yeah. that's seven yards off the ball. I, like they're letting them go. Leaving. They're they're both what? turning them loose. Yeah. Like, and unless you are actually throwing to the ball ball to that guy, and you're just saying third and three, we, you know, hey, we're running, we're running a hot here, just running out and just get the first down. Unless that's happening, then you're wasting that guy. Like it's that is a complete waste of a player, right? So um Who's deciding that? And I mean, ultimately comes down to Parker, right? Mm-hmm. But that is Rudolph too. So, um, you know, yeah, people always say the, the, the run game coordinator, this, that, whatever, right? It's like, well, I mean, a lot of those are just labels. They don't mean crap until right. you actually got to do it. So, I mean, and sometimes too, like I mentioned after the game, it doesn't always have to be the position coach. Sometimes it is an analyst. It is a GA who's like, why are we doing this? Sometimes those guys got to speak up more. And then guess what? That's their chance to kind of like elevate themselves and maybe like show that they can d- do some things too. Because what they did in this game was like, that's not it. Like they can't, can't, can't yeah. get away with that. Yeah. So Carmel Humphrey in the chat asked about uh, the benefit and functionality of having a, uh, like Gino Gadulli being the passing game coordinator and uh, Dylan McCullough being the running game coordinator. So I've seen some staff pass run game coordinators. Could this help Parker? Um, yeah, like everyone has that. I mean, you always want someone who is based because he he has to be in It's kind of like head coach, right? Like the head coach has the offensive and defensive coordinators to help him, you know, with the, the offense and be in charge of that stuff. And the, the offensive and defensive coordinator wants another coordinator to be in charge of you know, the passing game or the running game so that like they look at it and they have their analysts who look at it and say, these are the concepts that we think will work against this team this week. And they've advanced scouted and they've looked at all that stuff. So when they come in on Sunday or Monday or whenever that may be and say, okay, these are what we think are best for us to run this week, you know, and then they implement it. And then someone asks a question about like all that. So you, you go over those things you collaborate as a group, you come to an agreement and you say, okay, this is what we're going to run this week. This is how it works for our personnel. Take it to the players. You take it to the practice field, you take it to the game. Right. And someone asked a question about um, where, like, 
the plays, where, where do you get the plays from that go into the game plan for that specific week? So basically that's during your install uh, in fall camp. Now you can add a wrinkle. You can add something that's opponent specific. You know, we talked earlier in the year about, oh, it's Notre Dame saving things, which by the way, Clearly not, right? Clearly so, not. Like that, we we said we said a number of times. Like I don't think so. I think they're running what they run, and that is uh, that is correct. Proven they, to be they, true. They clearly aren't just uh, hiding a bunch of banger plays uh, ready to bring out in these big games. Um, but so you you uh, that's what you do. You pull from your install, and then you go from there. And what's hard is when you want to put in a play that wasn't a part of your game plan, that can be difficult. And that's where it's like, Hey man, all the practice, all the things we practice during the week, like we're not running that stuff because it's not going to work. They're doing something different. They're doing something different on defense. That's where, that's where, you know, it gets like, okay, you got to make adjustments and you have to, um, and you have to, uh, do it on the fly at halftime on the sideline, draw up a play and say, this is what we're going to do off of this, um, which I'm going to get to later. But you always want to have, um, you always want to be able to delegate responsibilities. Right. Um, And that goes towards, you know, the offense or defense, or if you own a small business, Jamie, and if you own a business, you want to delegate your social media, your media game. Uh, your videos, right? We delegated, Jamie. We needed an intro for our show, and we delegated the video intro to VSR Media, which was founded by Notre Dame football pregame host and Emmy Award-winning anchor, Vahid Sadwazadeh. VSR Media provides professional and cinematic video and photo. Whether you're looking for a collegiate or pro-level highlight reel, have a personal story to tell, or are aiming to diversify and grow your business, VSR Media specializes in short and long-form video storytelling, social media management, and website design. VSR Media also captures professional headshots, senior, and sports photos. Contact them at vsrmediacompany.com and mention Iris Sports Daily to receive 20% off your first project. Visit them online or give them a call at 574-800-9106. Uh, do, 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 do. We got a super chat here, Jim, uh, from Irish Natty. Sam needs authority to call audible when Parker calls in a run play and defense loads eight to 10 in the box. Dink dunk to running back in flat until they back off. Uh, a lot of, a lot of, uh, audibles, Jamie. Um, so Irish Natty, thank you for that comment. Um, I think we have a question here coming up on that specific thing. Very next question from Parasite. Is Sam not capable of changing plays at the line, or are they not allowing him? I hate to see uh, a quarterback staring at the sideline, waiting for the coaches to see the defense before they send in a play. With Sam's experience, most plays should have a check to an alternative. This running play, regardless if the D shifts to a call, that will kill the play called. I don't. Know. If the D shifts to a call, that will kill the play, basically. So, um. What do you think, Jamie? This is the, a lot of people talking about this the last couple of days about checks and uh, that sort of thing. Okay, I think some of the people of, who are mentioning this are forgetting the fact that the very first series he did check those those RPOs are checks. Those are him, you know, deciding that they had too many in the box, so I'm going to throw it, and he threw the out 
to Flores, which was a right call and a nice play. Mm-hmm. And then he threw <laughs> just a duck of a fade to Flores, which was not good. Right. And I don't know if that influenced his call the rest of the day, but I don't remember him throwing an RPO the rest of the day after that. And yeah. I don't know if that's something that whatever they were like, just run it. Cause sometimes that happens, right? The coach I don't think like, that was RPO by the way, like a true RPO. It was an RPO in that it was that, just that, him was checking RPO action. It. I think yeah. it was just straight. I'm throwing this. Yeah. But anyway, continue. So he obviously, it did not seem like him and Flores were on the same page there. Yeah. Right. And you know, so that's another thing, right? That everybody wants to like check into this. Well, okay. Notre Dame is playing with young receivers, you know, guys. So they might have plays where they have Rico Flores, true freshman, you know, this is going to be his, um, you know, eighth game. And Jordan Faison, his second game, right? Um, they might have those guys, two, might be two of three receivers on the field at a time. And maybe Chris Tyree's on the field. And he's has, like, so there's that kind of stuff, too, is like, do the receivers know these checks? Also, do they feel confident in Hartman to make those checks? And people don't like the, you know, the scan or looking to the thing. There's a reason that they do it. It's because they, the coaches often are able to see things and help the, the quarterback, the offense succeed based on what they did. And people didn't like it with Tommy Reese. Guess what? He checked into a lot of good plays last year. It was probably the reason that the offense had any success at all, really, at, at some points of the season, because the quarterback couldn't get it done on his own. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and yeah, should Sam Hartman be able to do it? We don't know how comfortable Sam is with doing that because given this, he's a six-year player. It's not his sixth year in this system. You know, he's hmm. still like relatively new to it, right? Yeah. So he might not be all that comfortable. So I think it's a lot more complicated than just like, he's got to be able to check into this. Yeah, he's got to be able to check into better um, plays and and you know, the offense in general needs to be check out of things, right? Like if you can't do that on offense, it's like, and you know, you're going to run into a bad situation. You're going to do this. That's different. Like, it, you know, that's, that's not conducive to being successful on, on offense, right? It's just like on defense. If you knew um, like the one touchdown play, Greg, that uh, you know, the, the one that the uh, Jordan scored that like, yeah, they needed to get out of that. And maybe they thought that it was um, going to be split flow zone or something. And it yeah. was going to be, it was going to, I think maybe that's what they thought there. And they weren't something thinking to the boundary. Get, yeah. They weren't thinking they were getting power. Right. Yeah. Um, or, or uh, you know, lead zone. Right. So, and they, but they got caught in it. And it's like the one thing where Kaiser was wrong, but even if he was right, they're still probably screwed on that play. Right. So it's like, it it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So sometimes you got to get out of stuff and that's part of offense. That's part of defense. Right. So they need to find ways to do that. And it doesn't really matter if it Sam, it's great if it is, and he's able to do stuff, but they need to get out of certain things and they need to be able to adjust more or else it limits how successful they can be. 
so the first pick that Hartman threw, like you would want to get out of it because, but, but you would want to get out of it. But at the same time, you wouldn't because like they're, they want to throw a fade ball. So it's there in that you're in press. It's one-on-one. There's no safety over the top. So you're fine, right? You can run it on first and 10. See, this is where, this is where you can have a conversation about like execution versus game plan and setting your players up for success. This is exactly where, and there's another situation that'll come up in a second, but this is exactly a situation where you have Rico Flores. Notre Dame doesn't like their wide receivers. You don't want them to just have to win one-on-one matchups. Okay. Like that's, that's not setting them up for success. You want to scheme them open. You don't want to say Rico Flores, you need to beat that guy one-on-one. We'll throw you a 50-50 ball, which probably isn't really a 50-50 ball. Right. It's probably more like 30-70 that it's going to be caught. Right. It's, yeah. He's just not used to that. Right. You're throwing a fade ball to the field. That's going to gain at best 15 yards if he catches yeah. it right there. Well, it's a 35-yard throw to gain 15 on first and 10. So low percentage play. Yeah. It's low percentage play on first and 10. Why, why? Why? Like, don't don't put him in that position. Now, you could say, well, it's a bad throw by Hartman. And you could say Flores has to do better to break up the play. He can't let him catch it. Sure. Correct. A hundred percent, right? Like no problem. But at the same time, you put them in a bad position. You, 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 you threw a low percentage throw and put, put, put the defense in a, in a, in a, in the best position they could be. And then they enter interception. You didn't need it. They just didn't need that. If you want an RPO, then run something more, run something more, uh, higher percentage, run a slant then. Right. If you want to do that, there was no safety there. So just run a slant then. But like throwing a 35-yard play, like that, that's where it's like, no, that's not a good call. That's not a smart decision to call that play there. And you want to be able to, you want to be able to get out of that stuff. Um, A Brennan says, or Drew Brennan says the offense against Ohio State was somewhat okay uh throwing uh so he's throwing that game out. The way Notre Dame looked against um Duke and Louisville was night and day different how they looked in the first four games. Are those defenses that much smarter and Parker was found out or did Parker just completely lose his edge in play calling and his inexperience finally showing through? So basically the question is asking, is this a, is this a defense has got tape on Notre Dame figured out their tendencies and what they do out of formation and personnel and down and distance and all those things, or is it just Parker lost it, lost his feel for the game? What would you think? What would you say? I mean, I think some of it is defense has got tape and then. Yeah, for sure. And Notre Dame didn't do a good enough job of knowing that, hey, they think this is going to come like, which is why you add in these things that are like, this looks like this, but it's not, you know, like Mm. it's why this looks like we're going to run counter, but we're not running counter out of it. Right. And Mm. that's. A hundred, which is also too why I brought up the thing on Power Hour that the 2017 Miami game because that was a game where they knew the tape and they absolutely just just Notre Dame was running on everybody. 
they, you know, people forget that NC State defense had, was given up like 70 yards rushing a game. They rushed for 300 in that game. Well, it's because NC State did a terrible job of like preparing for what Notre Dame did. Mm-hmm. And really, like with Miami, it was like they're going to run that pin and pull stuff. Like they're going to run, they're going to run counter tray. Like we are crashing that down hard. And they just absolutely did it because. Notre Dame never ran any counters off of it. And then they didn't run counters off of it till the bowl game when they played LSU and they ran like they did influence stuff off of it. And they, they scored on that. They ran, you know, little different little counter looks with uh, the quarterback, you know, running, uh, keeping it on there when that happened. And they got big plays out of it. And then it forced LSU to be like, nah, we can't crash that down anymore because that's, you know, they're not doing this all the time. Right. So mm-hmm. I think that's just something that, you know, I, I'm not saying because obviously chip long, that was, that was like a lesson learned for him too. Right. And so I'm not saying it doesn't happen to everyone, but it's like, you kind of got to know that and you have to, you have to do a better job self-scouting. Mm-hmm. And um, adding pieces to what you're doing or, you know, things off it, different kinds of play action stuff. Like they pull these guards all the time. Other than they, they will pull a guard on a screen and just throw a screen. But I'm like, they don't run anything based on that. Well, off of what they're running when they run that screen, then they're pulling like Coogan and throwing a screen to the left. They're not really run- – it doesn't look like any of their runs. So it's just influencing them with the guard. They don't do enough that stuff that looks like um, what they're doing in the run game. Mm-hmm. And that is, a, that is a problem. So in that way, I think Parker kind of did lose his edge because it's like you got to know that stuff, right? And also it's – that's why to where – People put it on Parker, and I'm not saying he's obviously the guy in control of it, but there also has to be more within the staff in general to be like, so what are we doing off of this now, right? Like everyone can be hunky-dory and like each other, but you got to have hard conversations with each other and be like, we got to switch this up here because they're doing it. And that, I mean – Dylan McCall's coached for a lot of years and I'm, I'm not calling him out specifically. I'm just saying he's coached for a lot of years. So he's a guy that sh- should be able to speak up and use his voice and say like, like GP, we got to do something else here. Like we, we, we need another counter off this because yeah. if we're just doing that and like, but I mean, I don't know, maybe he has, maybe he hasn't, maybe other guys have whatever. We don't know. Um, but it's just like the other thing is that like uh, God was in the in in the chat and he said like Marcus Freeman is much different to the with the media than he is with the team and that's so true like they're having way harder conversations like he's not throwing anyone under the bus in in um the, you know at the press con- Tuesday press con or Monday press conference yeah but I mean he, he's not like being Mister Positive all the time when things are bad he knows when things are bad he's yeah. calling people up because. It's going to be, you know, him out the door if he doesn't. So all these kind of conversations that ha- like happen with it, but they needed to happen sooner. And maybe they did and maybe they just things weren't heard. 
but you which is why too like it is fixable and i'm not saying it's easy to fix but a lot of the stuff is fixable we just don't know if they got the staff to do it you would have, we would have said it was fixable going into louisville yes and it wasn't fixed so yeah. that's where the concern comes from it's like it was fixable yes. then and now it hasn't been so that's that's the problem um fighting hazley's asks kind of a long question here so bear with me please uh prior to the season we wondered how parker would change the offensive scheme there was uncertainty but the belief was nardane would generally keep the playbook the big change was expected to be a new play caller having been through camp in the first half of the season now i've heard play design and route tree criticisms that our plays are predictable uh it he says that he notes that this complaint has been there in years past. What is your sense for how much the legacy playbook remains? Is there a level up offense that has been installed and taught to players, which isn't being run? Have we exchanged getting a new quarterback and freshman on the field at running back wide receiver for a simple scheme? Um, how much, I think it's fair to ask how much. This is a good question, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. How much do you think that, Losing, I because I, I feel like maybe losing Thomas and Great House from this perspective has hurt Notre Dame the most in terms of what they want to try and what they can do offensively. I think that that kind of stuff is totally fair to say that that's that is a real thing, right? Like, yeah. where, um, because let's face it, uh when you know how there were like things in the central Michigan game, right? Because JD Bertrand didn't play in the central Michigan game and um, you know, DJ Brown did not And I know whatever, there's a lot of stuff with DJ Brown. I mean, certainly it's, it, he's, he's hasn't put out a lot of great tape since that Ohio state game. Right. Uh, but the value of having guys like that is that, when you have guys who are experienced, who have played a ton of football, who know the system in and out, who like have seen different things too, that aren't maybe not, um, they can communicate with the staff in terms of like, they did this and Oh, what about this? Like communicate with the other players on the team. That kind of thing is extremely valuable. It just opens up so much that you could do. So even though they kind of, talked about limiting or like, you know, trimming down the menu on defense. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons the defense is plays really well. And, you know, people get on the linebackers, whatever. Well, it's because these guys are veterans. Like these guys yeah. are old. They played college football a long time. And that is very helpful, you know? And it, it's also one of the reasons why the 2012 defense was good. They had a lot of older guys yeah. on that defense and they had mixed in some young talent, but there were a lot of older guys that were very like stuck in the, the, the Bob Diaco defense at that time. And some of that, so when you're missing that on offense, especially when it's like kind of a newer system and all that kind of stuff too, um, it, you know, a lot of the same terminology, whatever, but it's, 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 a, you know, different. Um, yeah, that's, I, I think that is a, a, a thing. Right. And also too, when you're playing freshmen and it's like, when it becomes obvious that you're like, man, they got to play Flores more. They got to play Greathouse more. It's like, 
the kind of reasons why they weren't playing them. You know, they only played eight. He only played eight plays in the in against Navy or whatever. Well, mm-hmm. one of the reasons is because you don't want to give those guys too much because it's a lot to ask, even guys who are advanced, right? It's a lot to ask of like how much can this guy take on? Because you also forget these guys are going to school. Yeah, not, like there's all this stuff the first time. So I think that is something that is part of it. And it's also something that has hurt probably hurt the the offense two years in a row in terms of like the experience at receiver and what they can and can't do. So here's, here's kind of an example or where this may have happened. And I don't know, this is, this is true or whatever, right? Like I can't, I can't say, but you just think of the, but the personnel, right? So when I'm rewatching the game back, the first time they went trips to the field with the tight end attached to the other side in, in 11 personnel, um, NC State came out of man, single high, right? So everyone else in the box, single high man uh, to the trip side. And you think, wow, like you can really, you can really, like this is a very advantageous setup for Notre Dame here, right? They ran the ball, and then I want to say they got like four or five yards. And then they ran that, uh, the concept that got phase on open, basically. So he runs yeah. kind of like an over route. And Tyree runs the little post and it's like the safety is in jail, basically. Like he has to take one of them. Both slots got absolutely cooked and it's a touchdown, right? Now I'm thinking to myself and I tweeted it out too, especially after the Tyree catch or the Tyree miss when he cooked the, the slot again, I'm saying to myself, okay, this is, this is the key, like right here. Like you need to Keep take advantage that kind of, of thing, this yeah. over and over again. Like remember in 2021, Jamie, when Notre Dame got up against Florida State, uh, 38-20 in that game. And then they found that formation where they were basically in 10, but they had the, the wide receiver to the boundary basically attached, like really close to the, to the tackle. So he was kind of like playing a tight end position, but he's up in a wide receiver spot. And that got Notre Dame into a defense that they felt was very advantageous to them. And they ran it over and over and over again. And Notre Dame could not stop them. They didn't have to huddle. And it was basically like whatever defense Notre Dame calls here, if they're in man, we're going to run this. If they're in zone, we're going to run this. We're going to do it over and over again. That was available to Notre Dame. It was. I mean, they only ran that set maybe a couple times after that. Never passed out of it. And you say, well... This is that. Why don't you go to that? And that, uh, unfortunately, that formation includes Jordan Faison, who is a walk on, lock on lacrosse player. Yeah. A freshman He's at the just very been least. Moved up to, just been uh, moved up. You can't, it's how hard it, it's hard to build an entire offense in your game plan and play fast with him on the field, right? Yeah. Does he know the checks? Does he know the audibles and that sort of thing? It makes it very difficult. Now, what they could have done is they could have said, okay, at halftime, you build up this whole offense or whatever, right? But like, it's just, it's, you're asking, I don't want to say you're asking a lot because it's major college football and they're getting paid a lot of money to solve these problems, but it is a problem and it is something that they need to deal with. Um, I, I like, I still don't think that they did enough to take advantage of that, but yeah. it is a complicating factor for sure. Um and okay, this is the one thing too, just kind of bring it back to that point about like 
kind of taking advantage of like getting into the, you, you know, you think that this is something you're going to go back to and back to. Mm. And this is what I don't really, and that's, that's why I was like, man, I think Jared Parker, like they, they might've hit on something here because of how they approached that NC state game. Yeah. And they were like, we got this like, Oh, they're doing this. And they just, there's a reason they hit that play so many times. Yeah. Because they're like, Oh, they didn't adjust. We can attack this. And that's what you do. That's what good offense does. Right. Mm -hmm. And, And you know, the, the Bucky Brooks called where's Waldo, right? You find the, find the, the point that the guy, you find the weakness and you just say, we're going at him. It's just yeah. like, well, when Shaw's in the game, it's like, guess what? They better find a way to go at him. Like that, that is part of football. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So um, a big part of it. So um, yeah, but it, it's, I, it is something where they, it does make you think that maybe that is a limiting factor with all the inexperience. Yeah. Um, Mavs coach asks, how much of the failures on offense due to play calling and how much is on the failure players to execute? Um, so part of offense, the thing about offense is I would say the majority of plays you can always point to execution if it doesn't go wrong somewhere. Any play, generally speaking, is designed to be successful, right? Yeah. Someone's messing up somewhere, right? So there's that. Okay. So it's like uh, that. It's I, I. So Major Payne says, according to Freeman, it's all execution. I see. I don't think that that's true. That's not what he's saying. What, that's not what he's saying privately, guys. Right. That's not what he's saying privately. I. I, I assure you of that. Okay, that is not correct. But there, there is like, look, there were a ton of execution errors in this game. A ton oh, of a execution ton. errors. A ton. So it's not that it won't, it's not that it won't, uh, uh, it, it's not anything, right? And people have pointed out like on Twitter, like, you know, you, it sounds like the to me, the plays that you're putting on Twitter, like those are execution problems, like Freeman said, for sure. But uh, Jamie, I'm going to bring up a play. And I'm going to show you, or I'm going to show everybody, and we talked about this before, like where where Notre Dame can do better in terms of like scheming something, right? So uh, on this play, they're going to run basically verts. You got three verts here, uh, Tobias outside, Tyree up the middle, and uh, Jaden Thomas here, right? They're going to blitz this. They're going to blitz the nickel. Okay, so this player's coming. Sam Hartman sees it. He stares right at him, and we know he sees it because he points to Jadarian Price. There he is. He points. You take him. Points at him. Okay? Now, look. <laughs> you have Chris Tyree running at this safety, who is at 12 yards and is coming up. You have all this area here to work. You could run an out. You could just run a stop and throw him the ball. And then he has all this space to work with. You can do all those things. They don't throw hot. Okay? They throw a deep ball to Jaden Thomas, who is covered. Right? So it's like, look, this is an execution problem in that it could be a better throw and it could be a better route and the whole execution could just be executed better. The ball's thrown too far. He doesn't catch it, right? Well, why doesn't Notre Dame have some sort of, like we said, some sort of side adjust or some sort of hot 
where it's like you can get him the ball. Well, that's right an option now. route, or just yeah, get him the ball right now and go. Teams have that. Why doesn't Notre Dame have that? You know, why aren't they taking advantage of this? Yeah. So go. And is that is, is well is that because Chris Tyree is an experience? Is that why I think because people are like, man, Chris Tyree's got to play more. He's got to get the ball yeah. more. It's like. Is that why? Because he's not there yet in his game? Because I guarantee you, if that is Michael Mayer, that is a play where, I mean, he's hooking up and they're throwing it to him and they're moving the chains. You know what I mean? Like that is, and that's the difference, right? So, um, yeah, like I I just think that uh, that part of it, and people really got to get off of like Freeman saying this, whatever. It's like, he's not going to call anyone. He's not in, in what world is that good for a coach to call out a coordinator and just say like, you know, I mean, he's got to do a good job this game or he's not going to be around here next year. Like in what world is, is that good to put that out into the world? Even if like, in what world would that be good even to do that? in like a staff meeting at your work in like it an wouldn't, office. It thing. wouldn't be good even to do it in private to the players. No, no, it, you can't, so, you can't undermine the coaches like that. Yeah. Publicly because the players, they know the, the players need, need to like have trust need in to the coaches. In the well. coaches. Yeah. 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 Um, And so everyone who's looking for all this, it's like, that is not conducive. If if you're going to say, you know, why you kind of believe in Marcus Freeman and like, you know, his, his ability, whatever. If you're going to take anything out of that, it's him being smart and being savvy about yeah. that. Because if he had handled it differently, then I'd have been like, oh, no. Like, this is like going to be bad, right? And like, I think Brian Kelly could kind of get away with some of the stuff that he said in the media because he like had coached for so many years before. And also he had been in environments where he wasn't in, um, you know, at, at a Notre Dame right away. So it was yeah. like, whatever, but also too, look how much extra heat Brian Kelly brought on himself, on players, on his handling of stuff just from his comments like that does no good for anyone that's it's 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 dumb it would be extremely dumb now if he's one of these if he's saying it and then really like he's not thinking about all the other stuff then you'd be like okay that would be um uh, that would be a serious red flag um but i don't i don't believe that's the case yeah all right, next question from Irish Bronx. What do you think of people who are writing off Marcus Freeman and saying Parker should be fired? Kind of leads into that, right? It's just like, I mean, I I don't think there's anything wrong with a fan thinking that. Like, yeah. I, I just, I have no problems with people being like, man, Jared Parker sucks. That's, you know, they need to get rid of him. Like this, whatever. It's like, of course, because there are so many people who have invested a ton of time um, 
a ton of time into this. They've, you know, they've every Saturday means so much to them and all and everything. People listening to this podcast right now, people watching the stream, mm-hmm. they, people care deeply about Notre Dame football. And when they think that, you know, someone's not doing a good job, I get it. It's just why people are so hard on some players too, which is, you know, kind of often unfair, but it's, that's what it is because they really deeply, deeply care. So I have no problem with people doing that, but I also think, you know, it's dumb. It's, it's not, it's not dumb, but it's, it's not a way to um, do it because there's just been so many instances where you can just point to, you know, you can, there's instances where you can say, man, was I ever right? Like, cause people love to say yeah. when they're right, but they never admit when they're wrong, if they jump the gun on somebody. Right. And just the reality is, is that like, it's too early to say it's too early to say right now on Freeman. Um, and you just have to really at this point too, it's this game obviously means a ton for Parker. It means a ton for him. And it's the kind of thing where if Notre Dame has a great game plan this week, people should praise Parker and people should praise him and, you know, go with it. But at the same time, you should also be like, which is totally fair. Well, it was USC. So let's, let's the defense, let's see how they do against Clemson. Cause that's kind of the position he's put himself in at this point. Mm. It's it's just knee jerky. That's yeah. all. It's knee jerky. And I understand. It, yeah. It's bad. You know? So it's like, and you don't know. Like, th- that's all the evidence you have at that moment. It's like, when it's trending down, it's trending down. Way down. And then when it trends up, it trends up. And then people, their their mood shifts. And you start to start to have hope again. Rajon says, um, not a criticism of your analysis, but it sure sounds like we have a bunch of players who don't think the game very well. Um, it's kind of like you think the game better when you are you're more experienced and older. I think that's what it is. It's, it's so, just like it's... some guys are just like when you're older, you 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 tend to think holistically about what you're doing out there more so than you are when you're when you're younger. And it's like you're just thinking about your thing, executing your play not thinking holistically about the game itself. Um, and we were kind of talking about this before the show, Jamie. I mean, look, Sam Hartman, six-year player, has never been an offense like this. No. So there's another one where it's like, yeah. is is his inexperience, was that, was his inexperience in an offensive like this and assuming that he would pick it up, maybe the biggest hole in like preseason analysis? Uh, probably. Especially Probably, for me, I'll just yeah. speak for me personally. Like I just assumed that it would get figured out and it just, there are in many ways it has not. And that's, um, you know, that's just the reality in my opinion. Yeah. So. Um, but uh, also just kind of what, what Rajon said too. Um, so Jeremiah Wosukormora is a ex- perfect example of a guy who like, he did not have it figured out right away and it wasn't just that he was whatever but like in his first year that he started i mean people saw him with those really bad run fits in that first louisville game they also saw a guy who can make plays but there's a reason he did the reason he didn't play on third down 
had obviously and on it went in 2019 obviously had nothing to do with the guy's talent it was because they were like uh we don't he doesn't know like he didn't know the everything. package he didn't know all the packages he they yeah. couldn't play him in that role which is kind of insane when you think about it because you just everybody just thinks like now all they think of buckus winner man this guy was just like so instinctive and so this whatever it's like it took him a while it while he yeah. was already playing so it's that's just a reality for a ton of guys and it's also too why jalen sneed you can see the physical talent out there but is he is he of more physical talent physically talented better athlete than any of the other linebackers yes he is. Why doesn't he start as a linebacker? You've seen it when he's out there. It's not, yeah. he's not And also why in the third down thing, is he only a rusher? Like he's just like, just go and get it. See ball, yeah. get ball. There's a reason for it. Yeah. All right. Um, Meek Irish asks commitment to running the via running via trussell ball will hamstring Notre Dame rather than build it into a behemoth true or false. Um, I don't think I, I see a lot of this trestle ball stuff. And I guess because he was his coach, but it's like, I don't think that that's like everything that um, like, that's exactly like, that's the where, where they want to go. It's like, if that's where they want to go, they wouldn't have got Sam Hartman. You know what I mean? Like mm. that's not everything with it, but at the same time, like, think about the problems with this game and the offensive line and also your guards. Like, you have the ability to recruit the best players, you know, for on offense at offensive line. You should – that should be the strength of your team, and you should be able to build around that. And that, I think, is – can help you become a behemoth in that part of it. But obviously it has to be more than that because you don't want to be Wisconsin, you know, previous Wisconsin or whatever, right? Like you don't want to be just that because that's, then you limit where you can be. So I guess if that, if that is the case, if you're only caring about that, then that's not going to build Notre Dame and a behemoth. But I think that that's not everything that, Marcus Freeman wants to be not, not, not my opinion. Um, with the trestle ball stuff, I do think, because it basically, they're just, you're talking about the run heaviness yeah. of the, what they've been. And look, I, oh, I want to just mention, sorry to interrupt Greg, but I want to mention, because I just saw this today and it stood out. Cause I saw it, you know, Parker Fleming stats of war on Twitter and he has a stat, right. Uh, run rate over expected. And of course, I expected to look at it and be like, Notre Dame, way up, right? Like, yeah. or, you know, and Notre Dame is actually 60th, minus 1.4% under expected, which was a bit surprising. Well, in this last game, they threw, I mean, what was it, 44 passes? Yeah. You know, I mean, they threw a lot more than they ran in this last game. So that definitely skews it. Um, but I just think, you know, I think we do have to acknowledge the fact that we thought Jaden Thomas would be better. 
Oh yeah. I I don't want to put it on. I don't, I'll speak for me. You you. I don't want to put words. You oh no. I thought he was gonna be better. I thought okay. we would get more from Tobias Merrill for definitely. Yeah. Right? I mean, that was just a miss. It's just a complete miss by us. I thought he'd be way further along. Way I further. He'd be way I mean, further I, along. Yeah. Yeah. I thought um, they would be like like the goal balls that they refused to throw. I thought they would throw those a lot and they would be available, and they're yeah. just not. There's um, and I mean, I can say that I didn't expect Mitchell. I mean, I expect Mitchell Evans to be good, but I didn't expect him to be this good as a receiver. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like one area where whatever, but it's also like you can look at personnel and you say like, I expected the guards to be better. Yeah. Like just because I think right now you would take Josh Lug over either of those guys. And that's and certainly Josh Lug, I think is, was last year was an above average guard, but certainly not the standard for Notre Dame at guard. And they haven't been above average. They've been, I think average probably at best really is, is, is what you would say. And I expected Blake Fisher to be better. I don't think Blake Fisher has gotten better this year. Like I, I don't think, no, He's not playing at a level. Um, so someone mentioned about like, well, Fisher's going to be gone. Hey, there's no way Blake Fisher, he can't go unless he just like wants to get out period. But I mean, he might not get drafted at, like, at yeah. this point. Like he's got a lot to prove. So yeah. um, he's certainly not going to be a high pick, you know? So uh, I mean, all I think will go like, no doubt, like whatever. Right. Like he could come back, but uh, that's you know it's not out of the question that he could come back but he will probably go and be a first round pick but i mean blake fisher is not going to be a first round pick unless he's just like a completely different player in these last you know six games of the year um then i i don't i don't see it right i don't see it so i think there's a lot of guys and to fairness to thomas you know because obviously he's been hurt too, right but yeah yeah for sure um, it's not it's not a it's it's not like a criticism of him per se it's just like it's more of where you thought everything was going to be yeah 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 it's just it bad circumstances um carmel's asking if the offense looked different in the spring than what we are seeing um like not really i mean like look how did the offense how did, wasn't good in the spring how did Jaden greathouse catch all those passes like they just run a bunch of curl routes like curl routes and out routes you know, it's not, it wasn't like, didn't look like uh USC or something. So, um, and I think one of the things too, in, in spring and fall camp, the offense uh, really got dominated by the defense for large portions of spring and fall. Yeah. So, and that is something that was a bit red flaggy, but also I think the defense has kind of backed it up. You know, I think that's kind of fair to say. Um, But you still expect the receivers to to have won more against the other, um, you know, corners and and safeties that they've faced, and they just haven't won enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Lots lots got to get better, and I think we covered a lot. So, uh, we're going to end it there. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, if you like what you heard and you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the show. Please hit the like button and please hit the notification bell. So, you know, we're going live links to this will be in the description below. Uh, if you prefer the audio form, we'll be back on Thursday previewing USC in full 
getting Marcus Freeman updates from the press conference and, um, and uh, you know, covering everything else regarding the game this weekend. So thank you, everyone. Uh, we'll talk to you on Thursday. Have a good rest of the week and uh, keep hitting and hustling.